Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We've been in this series again uh, called 10, and what we've been doing is we've been breaking down the 10 qualities of a disciple, the 10 qualities of a disciple. What we've been doing is we've been talking about the difference from a believer and a disciple. A believer is one who believes in Jesus. We know that it starts with believing in Jesus. We we cannot be disciples without believing. And so we believe in Jesus. The Bible says if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we're saved. So it starts with believing, but then there's this action that takes place, this overflow of us believing. We believe in him, but then now we step out and we begin to live for him, and that's what being a disciple and discipleship is. And so we've been talking about the difference of just believing in him and really being a disciple of him. Now today, we've been talking about the 10 qualities, and we are in week... We're in week 11, we're in week 11. That was a trick question. Gotcha. <laughs> We're in week 11. Now you're like, well, wait a second. There's only 10. That's true. Well, today, for the very first time, I've never done this before as a preacher, pastor. I've been ministering and preaching now for almost 20 years. I've never done this. I want to do a recap. I want to do a follow-up. Uh, every good writer, every good communicator, they always have time where they recap what they talked about so we can remember, so we really can walk it out. So we had 10 qualities that we've been through the last 10 weeks, and today we're going to close the series with a recap. And I want to call this, excuse me, I want to call this hitting the mark. I want to talk about hitting the mark today. I want to make sure as believers and as ones who desire to be disciples and as we walk out discipleship that we hit the mark on really becoming disciples of Jesus. We, got the, we get the text for the whole series in Matthew chapter 20 and verse, uh, 28, excuse me, in verse 19. It says, go therefore and make, make disciples. This is Jesus speaking. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is Jesus speaking. He's already, uh, he's already died on the cross. He's already wrote, risen from the dead, and he's about to ascend to heaven. And he says, hey, I want to talk to these people that have been following me, and hey, I want you to know, I want you to go, and I want you to make disciples. And so we've been talking about what it looks like to really be a disciple of Jesus. And so we're going to break that down today, those 10 qualities. We're going to recap talking about hitting the mark. John chapter 12 and verse 25, it says, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Whoever serves me must follow me. We talked about in week one, disciples are ones who fully follow Jesus. Disciples are ones who fully follow Jesus. And yes, hitting the mark, I have a target. Here's the target, okay? We're going to put it over here. And so what we're talking about today is really, when we really recapping what it looks like to hit the mark of what it may look like to really be people that fully follow Jesus. We talked about, and we continue to talk about this concept of how oftentimes believers are one, ones who, who follow Jesus when it's comfortable. 
When it's going good, when things are great, when, when everybody at the church is talking good about me, when I agree with everything that's going on, okay, yeah, I'll follow Jesus. But disciples are ones who say, no matter what the cost, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. There may be some tension relationally with somebody at the church, or there may be something that I've been walking through and struggling with, and it's been hard, and I've been believing and trusting and hoping, and I haven't received it yet, but I'm still going to choose to follow him. Why? Because I understand that he gave it all for me. And so I'm willing to give back my life to him, fully following him. He says, one who, the ones who are disciples are ones who truly follow me. And it's interesting because we, as a culture, as a society, have gotten consumed with comfort. We've gotten consumed with pursuing comfort. And we think in our brains, whether we admit it or not, we think comfort means good life. We think comfort means life is, that, it's the, that's, the, that's the peak of life. When Jesus in the scripture never even talks about that, in fact, he says the son of man himself has no place to even lay his head. He was not concerned with comfort, but he was concerned with compassion for those around him to show them his love. And so we have to be a people that say, they, that say excuse me, even though it may not be comfortable at times, we're going to choose to fully follow him. And this is what disciples do and in a world consumed with leadership. We are a culture and a society that is consumed with leadership. How to be a better leader, how to become a, a how to be a better leader at our job and our workplace and our homes and and those things are great. We should be desiring to be better leaders. There should be this pursuit to be better leaders in our homes. There should be this pursuit of being better leaders in our communities. There should be uh, this pursuit of being better leaders in, in, in our workplaces. There should be this, this, this concept and this pursuit in our hearts to be better leaders. But Jesus, he desires for us not for that to be the greatest pursuit. He desires for us the greatest pursuit, pursuit would not be being a leader, but being a follower. Here's the question we have to ask ourselves. How are we doing with being followers how are we doing with being followers of Jesus with our own lives? Or are we leading our own lives? It's what we need, what we want, what we desire. It's what we, it's, it's my, my life. And so I'm leading it. Yeah, Jesus, you're there and you're walking with me, but I'm taking the first step. But God desires for us to do the exact opposite where we say, no, God, you're, you're in charge. You lead. And God, I'm going to follow you where you desire for me to go. Why? Because it's not necessarily about me. It's about I know that as I follow you, God, you're going to take care of me and everything that I have in my life. Here's the question that we asked that we all have to, all have to continue to ask. We're talking about fully following Jesus. If you stopped believing in Jesus today, if you stopped believing in God today, what would look different in your life? If you stopped today believing in God, would anything in your life look different? And that's the challenge for all of us. We're like, oh, what do you mean? Like, well, uh, God's been taking care of me, and that's true, but are we really following him, or are we just living our lives and adding him? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Luke chapter 10 and verse 25 says, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, Do this and you will live. Week two, we talked about how disciples are ones who love 
like Christ. They love like Christ. And so this is the second target, the ones that as we are being disciples of Jesus, we are the ones that have to love like Christ. Now, here's what's interesting in this story. This, this man this comes to Jesus and he says, teacher, what must I do? He's going to Jesus to learn from Jesus, which is good. That's so important that we would be people that desire to learn about and from Jesus. But here's what happens. It can't stop there. Jesus says, yeah, okay, you want to learn about me. Here's what I want you to do. I don't want you just to learn about me. He says, I want you to go and love your neighbor. Meaning this, I want you to now love like me. See, believers, we oftentimes get, get caught up and stop at just learning about Jesus. And we never walk out and go and really love like Jesus. Loving those around us that aren't. Like, our, like us, that don't look like us, that don't talk like us, that don't believe like us, that don't, that, don't, that don't have the same educational background as us, that may not have the social or financial status that we have. And so we get this, we, we put these people in these different tiers of relationships as far as us really loving them. Well, yeah, we'll love the, this person because they're close to me or they do this, but this person over here, yeah, I don't necessarily know because they don't necessarily look like me or come from the same places I come from or they're not, they're not the same background as me. And Jesus comes on the scene. He says, hey, I want you to know I desire for you, yes, to learn about me, but don't just stop at learning. I want you to love like me, loving like Christ, loving those around us like he would and that he did. Martin Luther King Jr. said, it's a famous quote, you probably know it. He said that the 11 a.m. hour on Sunday is the most segregated hour in our country. Now, he didn't come to experience church because he would have then said the 8.30, the 10, and the 11.30 hour is the, he didn't, we had three, he only had one, but bless God. But it's interesting, his concept of this thought process of where we, we, because we don't look like each other or we don't come from the same backgrounds now, we, we, we can have unity in our workplace or we can have unity, but then the church, oh, no, 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 that's, that's, that we're, we're supposed to be segregated. No, that's not it at all. We're supposed to look like heaven. The church is supposed to be a picture of what heaven looks like, and that's us gathering no matter what our background, no matter what our beliefs, no matter what we, come, that we, no matter what we look like, and we gather and we say, hey, we desire to love each other the way Christ loves us because we understand the concept of his love that we we may be different but our differences actually unite us and make us stronger we would love like christ that we would love those that are far from him that maybe don't know him that don't believe in him and i want to say this we talk about this oftentimes we talk about when we love people that are far from god that doesn't mean that god wants us to or, or that means that we agree with sin Okay, this is where the concept of grace gets a little bit blurry. It's, it's important to have grace for people and love people, but it doesn't mean that we agree to sin. Here's what's happened in our culture and our society. It's like, oh, well, you don't love me if you don't agree with me. That's not the truth at all. That's not what Jesus did. In fact, if you look at the scripture, people will use this and they'll say, oh, well, Jesus came and he just loved people and he didn't tell people how to live their lives. That's not true at all. Jesus many times would pray for people or he would talk to people. He would finish whatever he was doing and he would say, at the very last moment would say, now go and sin no more. He didn't agree with the sin. He was accepting the person. 
And so this is what we have to do. When we say love like Christ, it doesn't mean now we agree with their sin and say, okay, you just live however you want and we're okay with that and that must be okay because that's the way you feel. No, it's that we accept you as you are and we're gonna love you no matter what, but it doesn't mean that we have to agree to what that sin is because now what happens is if we agree with it now, what we're doing is we're allowing people to justify living in sin. Does that make sense? Now, it doesn't mean we're judgmental. It doesn't mean that we're mean. It doesn't mean that we're unkind. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus loved people, meaning he accepted them as part of his family, even though they may not have been believing the way he believed, but he never agreed with their sin. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus comes and he calls out sin. Why? Because he doesn't, he doesn't like sin. Sin is actually missing the mark to God's standard. So obviously Jesus doesn't like sin. So when we say love like Christ, we're saying, hey, we wanna love you and accept you, but that doesn't necessarily mean we can't speak in truth about what sin is and what sin isn't is. That's between you and God. Now, we're gonna love you and we're not gonna try to change you. The purpose of a Christian is not to change people. The purpose of loving like Christ is not to change someone. The purpose of loving like Christ is to love you to the point of where you see Jesus and we allow Jesus to change you. Does that make sense? But it doesn't mean that we agree with sin. That's not what God did. That's not what God has called us to do. That's not what a disciple does. Loving like Christ is saying we accept you and we'll love you even though we may disagree with your sin. But we're going to let Jesus be the one to change your life. Amen. Okay, let's continue on because we've got a lot of targets. Come on, somebody. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 26. It says, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be your first among you must become your servant. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. We talked about in week three how disciples have a heart of a servant, have this, a heart of a servant. And so they're, he, we as disciples are meant to be people that have the heart to serve. And I love our church. We have so, so many incredible people that love to serve. And, and so, but God's called us to be people that are ones that say, we want to serve those around us. Believers are ones. We talked about how they're, they're caught up and concerned with their selves being served. And people are there to serve me. My spouse is there to serve me. My family's that made this there to serve me. My church is there to serve me. And that, and Jesus says, no, I, I want you to know that's not the heart. The heart is I came not to be served but to serve others. And so I'm here to serve first. I'm here to put others above myself. And that's how Jesus desires for us to live. Why is serving so important? Why does Jesus call us to be servants? Why does Jesus want us to have the heart to serve? This is the reason why. Because every time that we serve someone, every time you serve one of your classmates, every time you serve someone in your family, every time you serve someone in your community, every time you serve someone in your church, every time that we serve a little bit of self is dying. And every time a little bit of self is dying, we're becoming a little bit more like Jesus. That's why serving is so vital because Jesus desires for us to continue to become more like him. And so as we serve, every time we serve, no matter how small it is, no matter how little it may be, every time we serve, a little bit of self is dying. And every time a little bit of self dies, we become a little bit more like Jesus. And this is why God desires for us to have a heart to serve. John chapter 16 and verse 5. It says, but now I'm going, to, I'm going with him to be, who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go away. The helper will not come to you. 
But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he's saying, hey, I'm going away. And he said, I want you to know it's to your advantage. Why? Because I'm sending a helper, the Holy Spirit. In week four, we talked about a disciple is one who is submitted to the Holy Spirit. He submitted to the Holy Spirit. She submitted to the Holy Spirit. We are people that are called to be people that are submitted to his, the Holy Spirit. Meaning this. Not being concerned so much with the voice of the world or the voice of ourselves of what we desire or what the world may desire, but being sensitive and submitted to the voice of the Holy Spirit, allowing space and room for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Why? Because he's a helper. The Holy Spirit is here on this earth. Jesus said it was to our advantage. He's here to help us walk out this life of faith that God has called us to. And so we are all called to be people that are submitted to the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter four and verse 12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We talked about in week five, how disciples are students of God's word. They're students of God's word. We are ones who are students. Yes, we have another target. They're getting a lot of targets up. We're getting some targets, nice targets. I've said it 50 times. Students of God's word. Here's the thing about being a student of God's word. See, oftentimes believers, we read the scripture for information. We read the scripture to be informed. But disciples are ones who read and study the scripture to be transformed. We're not just reading it to, to hear it and to know more about it. We're reading it because we desire God's word to be applied to our lives and our hearts to transform us more into his likeness. The word of God, the scripture says, was never meant to just be read and not walked out. But the Bible says be doers of the word, meaning apply the word to our lives. This is why we're doing this recap. I've never done a, a message like this in my entire life. Why am I doing this? Because oftentimes we can go through series, especially ones that are 10 weeks long, and we can say, man, that was a good word. Woo! Okay, man, that one was real challenging for me. Oh, yeah, that one was good too. Oh, man. And we can get through the end of the 10 and like, woo, good series. Okay. And what can happen is they almost can become speed bumps. Well, here's the problem about speed bumps. One, some of y'all be driving over speed bumps way too fast. I don't know what your suspension looks like, but y'all know it'd be messed up. That's the first thing. Second thing, when a speed bump, once you're past the speed bumps, however many you get to, once you're past them, you're gone. You never think about them again. And the word of God was never meant in the, this series and us walking out and living the way God is asking us to live as disciples was never meant to be a speed bump. It's meant to be targets. Targets that say, okay, I have something I can hone in on and really walk out and live, not just this bump, whoop, okay, and then I never apply it. And next thing you know, it was just a good series that we heard or we talked about. But that we would be ones that really walk out and apply his word. This is what a student of God's word does. Romans chapter 8 and verse 12, it says this, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its, by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, nature you will live. Song of Solomon 2.15 says, Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for your, our vines have tender grapes. We talked about in week six how disciples live a life of purity. They live a life 
of purity. This is ones that say, you know what? The scripture talks about the little foxes that spoil the vines. And we talk about this concept of how no one lives and no one gets to the point or starts with a shattered life. But it's the small foxes that lead to a shattered life. No one starts getting married by cheating on their spouse. No one starts a company and, and, and uh, going to jail because they've stolen from their company and did things wrong with their taxes. No one, no one gets to the The shattered life is not where we start. No one starts something thinking about the shattered life. And oftentimes what happens is the small foxes we don't even realize in our lives, it leads us to the point the scripture says that sin grows. It leads us to a place of destruction, which is that shattered life. But if we would just nip the small foxes in the, in the nip them, <laughs> if we would just nip them a little bit, Here's what happens. Then we would never have to worry about the shattered life. But then what happens is we never think of it as a big deal. And it's from the beginning of time how Eve was tempted by, by, by the, the serpent, by Satan. He said, oh, you won't die. Oh, that's not what's going to happen. It's not that big of a deal. But it was a small fox that led to the point of where it shattered their lives. It's the same thing. This is what sin does. It grows in us. And so a life of purity is not just sexual integrity. Oftentimes in our culture, we think purity just means sexual integrity. Yes, it is sexual integrity, but it's also integrity in everything that we do. It's walking out and saying, I want to walk with integrity. Why? Because I want to make sure that I'm nipping these little foxes in the place they're supposed to be nipped. So, so that way that I don't get to the point where my life is shattered. Why? Because that's where the little foxes lead. Little foxes, the scripture says, leads to a, a vine that is destroyed. And Jesus knows this. And so this is what he says. He says, use self-control. And so we're talking, we talked about self-control, how really the key to purity in our lives is self-control. It's the very key. And so many times in our culture and our society, self-control is thrown out the window but it's such an important key, a principle, a fruit of the spirit that God desires for us to use to really walk in purity in our lives. Matthew chapter nine and verse 36, but when he saw multitudes, he was moved with compassion. This is Jesus. He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest, to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into the harvest. We talked about how disciples are ones who share their faith. You can put it down. Disciples are ones who share their faith. And we talked about how the concept of Jesus was moved with compassion. And how believers, oftentimes, we have concern for the lost. We have concern from the ones that are far from God. But are we really being moved with compassion? Why? Because concern is, oh, man, I feel bad for them. Compassion is, okay, God, I want to be used to help make a difference in these people's lives. I want to share about the good news of who you are and what you've done in my life. Because I know that, Jesus, that you've done it for me. And so I want to love somebody else. And I want them to see you through me because I have compassion. I'm moved to do something. This is what God has called us to do. And really the purpose of a Christian, the purpose of disciples is to populate heaven. Our purpose is to populate heaven. And everywhere that we go, God puts us in our spheres of influence around our, our worlds 
to populate heaven. And we have to have a boldness that's bold enough, not being weird and not being judgmental and not being mean. That's not what I'm talking about. But we have to be bold enough to where that we're willing to say, hey, can I pray for you? Somebody comes to us in our workplace or our school. Hey, something's going, hey, you mind if I pray for you? Or maybe it's, hey, man, let me, let me invite you to church or to small group. Maybe it's, hey, let me tell you what Jesus has been doing in my life. I don't know what it looks like for you, but in every moment it can be different. But I know this, God's desires for us to be people that listen to the Holy Spirit because all throughout our lives, he's desiring for us to share our faith to those around us. Why? Because he loves them just as much as he loves us. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly. Excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. I almost missed one. Y'all almost got away with one. You know what I'm saying? Y'all almost had nine instead of 10. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We talked about a disciple as one who prays continuously. One who prays continuously. That we wouldn't have just a prayer life, but we would, have, we would be people that live a life of prayer. That we would be ones that say, we don't want to just pray for you, we want to pray with you. One of the things that I've been challenged to do, I was telling our small group uh, on Thursday mornings this week, uh, a thing that the Lord's been challenging me with is not just to say, hey, I'll pray for you. But in the moment, even at the gym, it's, even at, in Walmart, it, wherever I am, like, not, okay, man, yeah, I'm going to be praying for you. But I want to stop right there in the middle wherever I am, and I want to pray with you. Why? Because if, the, if we can't pray with each other, if we can't stand with each other, then what in the world are we doing? And so I want to, I've challenged myself. It's not just I'm going to pray for you. And I do pray for people. But I don't want to just say I'm going to pray for you and you just you go on your way. No, I want to I pray with you right now. Why? Because I want to have a life that continues to be a person who prays, not just when I go to bed or when I wake up or not just for meals. I want to be someone who's constantly in conversation with the Lord and relationship with him. 2 Corinthians 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have, decide in your heart to give, what you have decided to give, not reluctantly or compulsion. But God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. We talked about how disciples are ones who give generously. Disciples are ones who give generously. We talked about the concept of how we oftentimes have this thought process of where we make a budget and then whatever we have left over, okay, that's what we can be generous with. But the scripture says in Proverbs how the generous are ones who plan to be generous. And so we don't just, we don't look at the budget and say, okay, this is all we have left. No, we start with, okay, how much do we want to be generous with? And then from there, then we make the budget based on our, our generosity, not our generosity based on our budget. And God's called all of us to be a people that are generous with our, our money. Why is that? Because the Bible says that where our treasure is, there our heart is as well. So it's not a money thing to God as much as it is a heart thing. He wants our heart, and he knows how much we care about money. As much as you may not want to admit it, you may, oh, money doesn't matter. Oh, I, no, I don't, no, money, no, that's not, no, I don't, no, money doesn't matter. No, that's not me. No, money, no, money to me means nothing. Nope, it's not money. That's not true at all. How do I know that? Because every one of you know what you, what, how much money you make. Most of you, 99.9% .9 of you know how much you have in your bank account. Some of y'all know how much you don't have in your bank account. Money matters, and God knows it's a part of our heart, and so he wants our heart, so he asks us to give 
generously. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, therefore go and make disciples. We talked about last week how disciples make disciples, ones who desire to help others hear God's voice and know God's voice. Jesus didn't just say go and be a disciple. He said go and make disciples, help others around you, hear God's voice and obey God's voice. That was the 10 weeks and that are the 10 qualities of a disciple. Are there other qualities of disciples? Absolutely. But these are the 10 that God put on my heart to talk about and to teach. And so these are the 10 that we talked about. Now here's the issue, concern with these 10 targets for me personally. I look at this, this gives me anxiety. This is like, I look at these and maybe you didn't, but I look at these and I'm like, oh boy, do I have a lot of work to do. I look at these and I'm like, man, you know what? I'm not really good at any of these. And so I didn't, it didn't, this didn't encourage me. This, this deflated me. And so here's what, I, here's what the Lord was challenging me to do. Again, I've never done anything like this, but I want to challenge you with this. Oftentimes we can look at these things and they can just be speed bumps, but I put them purposely on targets. Why? Because I don't want this to be a speed bump. I want this to be a target for you. And here's the thing about a target. That the great thing about a target is it's something you can focus in on. Now, if you're like me, and maybe you're not, but if you're like me, you got all 10 of these things out and you're like, and you don't know which one to pick. One minute you're trying to be a, you're trying to follow, fully follow Jesus. One minute you're trying to give generously. One minute you're trying to, you're trying to, you're trying to pray continuously. And you're like, ah, and you're like, just everywhere. That's me and my brain. I remember a few years ago, I, I got the privilege to go quail hunting. I don't know if you've ever been quail hunting, but I'm gonna be honest with you. It's not easy. Those little suckers, they fly around so quick and they fly, they're fluttering. And here's what the person said. We're going to send out the dogs. Once the dog points, the dog locks up. I just want you to know, just sit there. The dog's going to then jump and the dog's going to jump. In, and all of a sudden, this, this quail is going to come out. I got it. No, no problem. Get ready. Okay, I'm ready. The dog's pointing. I'm like seven feet away. No problem. I'm going to easily hit this quail. Here's what happened. The quail comes out. As soon as the quail comes out, I'm about to pull out. I got this thing in the sights. I'm about to lock this down. Here's the problem. Here come, another, here come another quail. And here come another quail. All of a sudden, it was like six quail all at the same time. And no joke, I was like, ah, 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 <laughs> And I didn't hit anything. I turned around at the cart at the people watching, and they're all laughing. The dude said, hey, bro, you need to focus on one. I said, yeah, but it's too hard. They're everywhere. Here's the thing. It's the same thing with this concept. The whole purpose of why I taught this whole message today for you to gather today, the whole purpose was not just to remind you what we talked about, but for you to look at all 10 targets. That's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I want to challenge you to pick one that you can personally focus on for the next year. I want you to pick one, and I want you to focus on one for the next year. And starting in 2024, actually, don't start in 2024. Start now, because y'all know you start in 2024, you ain't starting. Start now, but into 2024 for the next year, I want you to pick one. I'm telling you, I don't know why. This is what the Holy Spirit told me to do. I'm trying my best to do it. Pick one. And here's what we often do as humans. Okay, we're like, you know what? I've been doing pretty well at a student of God's word. You know, I've been reading the Bible every day. I've been doing my devotions. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna focus on being a student of God's word. I'm gonna focus on the easiest one that I'll know that I'm already doing so that I'll easily be able to hit the target. I'm good. I don't want you to do that. 
What I want you to do is I want you to look at these 10. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. I want you to look at these 10. I want you to ask yourself and ask the Holy Spirit, which is the one that you are lacking in the most? And that's the one I want you to pursue in 2024. What, and this, again, I want you to really focus. The whole purpose is, I go, this is a totally different type of message and a totally different type of, 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 of concept of how we teach. To, but this is what I really feel like we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to use them as speed bumps, but these are supposed to be targets. Here's the question I have to ask for you. What is your target? And start today. When you get home, when you leave, you're starting today having the heart to serve. You're starting today sharing your faith. Whatever it may be, which of these 10 do you look at and you say, okay, this is the one I'm lacking in. This is the one I'm gonna really pursue. Okay, here's why I want you to do that. Because if you have a target, it's so much easier to hit than just hoping for the best and just wandering around hoping you're gonna hit the target. You have a target to focus on, okay? So what is your target? The two questions I'm asking today. What is your target? And then what is your tool? Target and tool. I'm a preacher. There are the two T's. What's your target? What's your tool? What do you mean? Let me explain. In order to hit this target, you have to have something. If you, you, have, to th- you, if you have a football, you have to throw the football at the target. If you have a gun, you have to shoot the gun at the target. If you have a, a bow and arrow, you have to shoot it at the target. Whatever you have, you have, to, you have to be able to have something to shoot at it. What does that mean for us as far as what we're talking about with the 10 qualities of disciple and having targets? The question is, which of the 10 is my target for the next year? And then, not only what is it, now what is the plan for me to, to hit this target? Because let me tell you something, without a plan, it's just a fairy tale. If you do not, if I do not have a practical plan on how to hit this, we can want to be a student of God's word. We can, oh, okay, you can do another one. You know what I'm saying? And, and, it's, and so it, we, you, we can want to live a life of purity and so whatever it may be, we can want that. That's great. But if we don't have a plan, here's what happens. Then it's just a dream. It's just a fantasy. Now, here's the problem with just dreams and fantasies. They never come to path. They uh, t- t- never come to, to, uh, to, what's the word I'm looking for? Fruition, that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, dear sister, whoever that was. Okay, good. You may have a deep voice, dear sister. Okay, good. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have said that. That's okay. Let's move on. I shouldn't have said that. It's all good. It's all good. It happens. Stuff happens up here. Okay. Um, what's the plan? Because if it's just a fantasy, here's what happens. Now we end 2024, we look at these 10 qualities, and nothing's changed. Then we've allowed this just to become a speed bump, and we've not applied what it is that we've been learning. And that's not the purpose of why we gather. Oh, what a waste of the last 10 weeks of our lives this would be if we don't apply what we've learned. You've wasted my time. I've wasted your time. We've wasted each other's times. You've wasted your time. I've wasted my time. We've all wasted each other's times if we're not going to practically really apply what it is we're learning. So what's your target? The whole purpose of this whole message was to close this series down to ask you this very question. What's your target? And then what's your plan on how you're going to practically pursue that target in your life? Because without a plan... It's just, it's just a fantasy. 
And when I say practically, meaning you need to be able to clearly communicate or write down what it looks like. If it's some, one that shares your faith, how are you going to begin to practically share your faith? Maybe it's something as simple as, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to challenge myself every day just to say one thing about God to someone around me. You're practically applying what it is. You're creating a plan. And then here's the thing about this. I love this. I love that it's a target because if we have a focused target, here's what happens. It may start where we're hitting out here. But that's the great thing about why I'm saying take a year. Because now, as we continue to pursue it, we begin to hone in more on it. Next thing you know, we're hitting the target exactly the way we're supposed to. Why? Because we've continued to be consistent in doing so. What's your target? What's your tool? Because here's my heart. We close this series. That we would all be disciples of Jesus. But we can't be disciples of Jesus, I'm just being real, if we're not willing to apply what we've learned. And I'm talking to myself as well. I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about me too. It can be good words. Listen, this series has slapped me in the face. God has been rocking me. But it means nothing if I don't practically apply it. And so here's my challenge to all of us as we close. Let's be disciples of Jesus. Let's be ones that say, you know what? We're going to truly apply what his word says. So I'm going to pick one target, just one. There's 10, but I'm just going to pick one. Doesn't mean you can't work on the other ones, but I'm going to hyper-focus on one. And then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a plan on how to focus and how to really walk that out. And watch what happens. I'm telling you, I believe this with all of my heart. If we hyper-focused... By the end of 2024, whatever that target is, I guarantee you, you'll be walking that out. And it'll be habit. It'll be something, I believe, that people look to you and say, man, you, you're someone that really loves the word. Man, you're someone that always hears God's voice. Man, you're someone who is, who's walking in purity and integrity. Man, you're someone, I want to be like you, who's one who continues to always share their faith. What have you been doing? Oh, I know what I've been doing. I've just been putting a target where I say, you know what? This is what I desire to be like and do. And so I've been targeting this all year. I put a plan in place, and then God's done the rest. Let's be disciples. Let's believe. Oh, please, let's be believers because it starts with believing. Let's be ones who understand, believe, full faith, all in that Jesus is Lord and that he rose from the dead and he died for our sins and he forgives us and we have right relationship with him and he's not mad at us, but he loves us. Oh my gosh, let's believe, but let's not stop at believing. Let's be disciples. Let's walk out the way that he desires for us to. One target. The question for this whole series is this. What's your target? Because I'm telling you, you want to be a disciple. You want to be one that really walks out and lives the way God's called you to live. We pick that, we pick that, that, that one, that target. We focus we make a plan, and we allow God to continue to work in us like never before. Let's be a church. Oh, this is my prayer, that we would be a church filled with disciples of Jesus.
Amen. Would you stand with me as we close today? God?